Hey, listeners, I'd like to take a moment to let you know about our friends over at Morbidology. If you're a true crime enthusiast and haven't yet tuned in to Morbidology, you're missing out. This weekly podcast is hosted by author Emily G. Thompson, who takes an unflinching look at crimes from all corners of the globe. Each episode of Morbidology offers insights into the intricacies of the cases, unpacking any systemic failures that played a part in the crime and exploring the context in which the crime occurred. Through investigative research combined with primary audio, Morbidology brings you right into the heart of each story, giving the listener a meaningful understanding of the individuals involved. Some episodes delve into solved cases, leaving the listeners with closure, while others explore unsolved cases that are still seeking justice. Morbidology also covers cases that are lesser known to the general public, shining a light on those that often go overlooked by mainstream media. One episode you will not want to miss is the tragic story of Islan Nettles, a trans woman who was killed in New York in 2013. This episode covers not only Islan's death, but other hate crimes that took place at the same time, and the need for greater protection through laws like the Gender Expression Non-Discrimination Act. Subscribe to Morbidology across all podcast platforms, and make sure to keep your eyes peeled for new episodes that drop every Monday. Right now, I'm going to play you a clip from Morbidology's recent episode on the heartbreaking case of three-year-old Jordan Dumont, a little girl who was reported missing by her mother's boyfriend in Bessemer City, North Carolina, in August 2016. Further investigation revealed that her mother's boyfriend had a criminal record and that both police and social services had been called out to their home numerous times prior to Jordan's disappearance, raising troubling questions about official response to Jordan's care. This tiny little three-year-old girl, so happy and full of life. This child deserves justice. Do the right thing. Find him guilty of first-degree murder. It was around 3.30 p.m. on Monday the 15th of August 2016 when a phone call came into police in Bessemer City. It was from 25-year-old William Joseph McCullen. He reported that he was at home looking after Jaylene's three-year-old daughter, Jordan DeMont, but she had gone missing. Gaston County, now one more in Reynolds. What's the address of your emergency? Yes, ma'am. Uh, my oldest daughter, I was taking a nap. I just woke up and I can't find her anywhere. I went to the neighbors and they're not home and I don't know where she's at. How old is she? She's about to be four next month. I have a newborn with me too, a one-year-old, and I got her and I can't find my, uh, the other one. McCullen explained that he had put Jordan down for a nap and then fell asleep himself. He said that when he awoke, the front door was wide open and Jordan was nowhere to be found. Earlier that morning, Jordan's mother, Jaylene, had left for work, leaving McCullen in charge of taking care of Jordan and Angel. During the phone call, the 911 operator asked McCullen to double-check the home, even checking underneath the beds. I really need some help right now. Listen, listen to me. What's your address? Best Town Road. Have you looked under the beds and in the closet? Uh, no, ma'am. I, I called her name, though. I can't find her anywhere. I went next door. I, I've been hauling her name outside. Right. I can't find her. She may have fallen asleep. I need you to go look under the beds and stuff while I start people yes. that way, okay? Yes, ma'am. McCullen left the phone for 30 seconds and went to check under the beds, but Jordan was nowhere to be found. Hello? 
Yeah. Yeah. She's not here. Okay, where is she? My wife's at work. She's about to be home, and I don't know where my daughter is. Police immediately responded to the scene, and a search party was assembled. Jordan was described as standing at three feet, two inches tall, with a birthmark resembling the shape of Hawaii. McCullen said that when he put her down for a nap, she was wearing a pair of jean shorts and a long-sleeved Mickey or Minnie Mouse t-shirt. He directed police to Jaylene's Facebook page so that they could see a clear image of her. The responding officers asked McCullen whether it was possible that Jaylene had Jordan. McCullen replied that it wasn't, but he admitted that he had not yet even made contact with Jaylene to ask or let her know that her daughter was missing. The search was assisted by Highway Patrol helicopters, as well as fire and rescue crews, and they fanned out around the home, calling out Jordan's name. McCullen told the responding officers the same thing he had told the 911 operator, that when he woke up from a nap, Jordan was gone. He said that the only time he left the home was when he went with Jordan to collect the mail. As the search was ongoing, investigators searched the home where Jordan lived to see if there were any clues that could have been missed by McCullen. The first thing that all of them noticed when stepping foot inside the home was how unkempt it was. As Officer Christopher McCauley recalled, there was a strong odour of faecal matter, rotten meat and spoiled milk in the air. The bathroom in particular was filthy. McCullen told the responding officers that he and Jaylene slept on a mattress in the living room while Jordan and Angel had their own bedrooms. When Jordan's bedroom was searched, it was noticed that there was blood smeared across the walls. Detective Matt Sampson had arrived by now, and when McCullen was queried about the blood, he replied that the blood either belonged to him or Jaylene, not Jordan. (laughs) 